BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. I want to tell you the fascinating story about when the Trinity verse was added to the Bible. And this is a very well-documented historical fact. And for our guide, I want to quote from Whose Word Is It? The story behind who changed the New Testament and why by Professor Bart Ehrman, who is an expert on textual criticism on biblical manuscripts. And uh, he tells us this story, which I just want to share with you. Now, we need to go back in time to the 16th century uh, and we need to look at a, a guy called Erasmus. Erasmus was an enterprising scholar from Holland, a Dutch scholar, who produced the very first printed edition of the Greek New Testament. Now, the New Testament itself was written in Greek. Um, in the centuries afterwards, it got translated into Latin and the church tended to use the Latin translation. So... Um, Erasmus produced uh, a text in the original Greek, which we which he hoped would be a critical scholarly edition. Um, and uh, this is called the first published edition. Now, for the most part, uh, Bart Ehrman says he relied on a handful of late medieval manuscripts. In fact, on just one 12th century manuscript of the Gospels and another also from the 12th century for the book of Acts and the epistles. And as we shall see, he says, it's this edition that he uh, produced of the Greek New Testament that was used by the later translators of the King James Bible a century later and virtually all translations until the end of the 19th century. Um, And he tells a very interesting story then about this Trinity verse. And he says, indeed, as it turns out, these manuscripts that Erasmus used were not of the best quality. They were, after all, produced some 1100 years after the originals. For example, the main manuscript that Erasmus used for the Gospels contained both the story of the woman taken in adultery in John's Gospel and the last verses in Mark's Gospel, which tell the story of the resurrection in the earliest Gospel. Passages that did not originally form part of the Gospels. 
as we learned in the preceding chapter. And he rightly shows that the earliest manuscripts, the Codex Sinaiticus, for example, does not contain any resurrection appearances in the earliest gospel in the New Testament, the Gospel of Mark. There was one key passage of scripture that Erasmus's sources manuscripts did not contain, however. This is the account of 1 John 5, verse 7 and 8. Now, this is the first letter of John in the New Testament, chapter 5, verses 7 to 8, which scholars have called the Johannine comma, the Johannine comma. Johannine means John and the comma is just the sentences. Now, they are found in the manuscripts of the Latin Vulgate. So these are the later translations made into Latin, as I said before, but not in the vast majority of Greek manuscripts. A passage that has long been a favourite among Christian theologians, of course, since it's the only passage in the entire Bible that explicitly delineates the doctrine of the Trinity and that there are three persons in the Godhead, but that these three all constitute just one God. So in the, uh, the Vulgate, which uh, is found in our King James Version, I just want to read a passage. So this is the, uh, the King James Version, the Holy Bible. It says, For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And these are three that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. So this is from the King James Version. And Bart Ehrman says, this is a mysterious passage, but unequivocal in its support of the traditional teachings of the church on the triune God who is one. Without this verse, the doctrine of the Trinity must be inferred from a range of passages combined together to show that Christ is God, as is the Spirit and the Father, and that there is nonetheless only one God. This passage, in contrast, states the doctrine directly and succinctly. But Erasmus did not find it in his Greek manuscripts. Now, this is the this is the point. He used the best manuscripts that he had around in his city, which were actually not very good manuscripts by our standards today. The Greek manuscripts that he read simply said, there are three that bear witness, the spirit, the water and the blood, and these three are one. So where did the Father, the Word and the Spirit go? They were not in Erasmus's primary manuscript or in any of the others that he consulted. And so naturally, he left them out of his first edition of the Greek text, as a good scholar would do, because there's no evidence that this verse is in the Greek manuscripts. More than anything else, it is this, this leaving out of this verse that outraged Christian theologians of his day, who accused Erasmus of tampering with the text in an attempt to eliminate the doctrine of the Trinity and to devalue its corollary, the doctrine of the full divinity of Christ. As the story goes, Erasmus, possibly in an unguarded moment, agreed that he would insert the verse in a future edition of his Greek New Testament on one condition, that his opponents produce a Greek manuscript in which the verse could be found. Finding it in Latin manuscripts was not enough. There were late medieval manuscripts that had it. And so a Greek manuscript was produced. In fact, it was produced for the occasion. 
it appears that someone copied out the Greek text of the epistles and when he came to the passage in question, he translated the Latin, Greek, Latin text into Greek, giving the Johannine comma in its familiar, theologically useful form. The manuscript provided to Erasmus, in other words, was a 16th century production made to order. So Erasmus demanded, I want to see this in a Greek manuscript. And his opponents say, OK, and they went away and they made one, <laughs> literally made one up in the 16th century, in Erasmus's day, wrote it out, included the verse, the Johannine comma about the Trinity, stuck it in and gave it to him. Say, there you are, there, there's your Greek manuscript. Go ahead and produce your, uh, your good critical scholarly text. Despite his misgivings, Erasmus was true to his word and included the Johannine comma, this is the Trinity verse, in his next edition and in all his subsequent editions. These editions, as I've already noted, became the basis for the editions of the Greek New Testament that were later reproduced time and time again by translators over the centuries. These editions provided the form of the text that the translators of the King James Bible eventually used. And so familiar passages to readers of the English Bible from the King James in 1611 onward up to modern editions in the 20th century include... The woman taken in adultery, the last 12 verses of Mark, which mention the resurrection, and the Johannine comma, even though none of these passages can be found in the oldest and superior Greek New Testament manuscripts. They entered into the English stream of consciousness merely by a chance of history, based on manuscripts that Erasmus happened, just happened to have handy to him, and one that was manufactured for his benefit. The various Greek editions of the 16th and 17th century were so much alike that eventually printers could claim that they were the text that was universally accepted by all scholars and readers of the Greek New Testament, as indeed they were, since there were no competitors. The most quoted claim is found in an edition produced in 1633 by Abraham and Bonaventure, Elzier, who were uncle and nephew, in which they told their readers in words that have become famous since among scholars that you now have the text that is received by all in which we have given nothing changed or corrupted. The phrasing of this line, especially the words text that is received by all, provides us with the common phrase textus receptus, or abbreviated as TR. This is what it's known as today, the Textus Receptus, a term used by textual critics to refer to that form of the Greek text that is based not on the oldest or the best manuscripts, but on the form of the text published by Erasmus and handed down to printers for more than 300 years, until textual scholars recently began insisting that the Greek New Testament should be based on scientific principles, on based on our oldest and best manuscripts, not simply reprinted again and again according to custom. It was the inferior textual form of the Textus Receptus that stood at the base of the earliest English translations, including the King James Bible and other editions until the end of the 19th century. 
So there we have the story of the Textus Receptus, uh, which is still venerated by fundamentalist Christians, especially in the United States. Uh, the King James Version only movement uh, say this is the pure, unadulterated word of God. But of course, it's based on late medieval manuscripts. We have manuscripts now that go back even to the 4th century AD, the Codex Sinaiticus, famously, which, of course, does not have the Johannine Comet, doesn't have the story of the woman caught in adultery, it doesn't have uh, the resurrection appearances in the earliest gospel, and there's a whole bunch of other things which I won't go into as well. So this is the story of how the famous Trinity verse, which openly, explicitly states that God is three persons in one, is in fact a verse, a fake verse, added in later by scribes. It was probably a, a, a marginal note or an annotation at the bottom and it got incorporated into the text. That's one theory anyway. But it's not part of the original Greek manuscript. And this is very difficult for, uh, for Christians to accept because it means their most solid witness for the Trinity has been taken away. And they have to now... Uh, construct the doctrine out of a complicated like a Christmas tree all all mangled up together to try and create this doctrine out of different texts and different places and that is very unpersuasive to most people certainly to me anyway but even though we most modern translations now do not contain the text the what the Johannine comma I mean for example in my preferred version the new revised standard version does not have the trinity verse because this is a good critical edition the new the new uh, king james version this is it here so this so they know the facts but they still have the verse in it it's still in it i've highlighted it in yellow for these are three that bear witness in heaven the father the word and the holy spirit and these three are one even though we know that it's not in any of the early Greek manuscripts and it wasn't there in the original Bible. They still insist on keeping it in the Bible. Some people may say that this is uh, a fraud and it lacks integrity, that they're still trying to pass this off as God's word when they know full well it's not. So um, I found that a very interesting story. hope you found it interesting too. Till next time. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.